come from? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The podcast from outer space. And thanks for joining us tonight. It's another smooth one from the podcast from outer space. It's your boy, Rob Scott. And all the way from Tokyo is a Tokyo tea bag. Hi. And as always, it's Ryan Scott. Ni hao, my ninjas. How we doing? <laughs> Just uh, three ninjas getting ready to talk about the uh, Dragon's Triangle. Yes, we... Now, okay. So it's no secret. Last episode, Bermuda Triangle... A lot of high strangeness. We talked about Flight 19, some missing ships, uh, some strange disappearances and theories. Uh, you know, got into some Atlantis, this and that. Check the episode out. I mean, teabag. What do we got? A TLDL here of last episode? Yeah, stay out of the Atlantic Ocean. You've been warned. Well, so, apparently the Pacific as well. Yes, because we are back with part two of our series on the mysterious triangles. You know, we'll call it part two, not officially, but we'll call it part two um, of our series on the mysterious, mysterious triangles that are out there in our oceans. Now you said it three times. Is that because it's a triangle? Yes. Now, obviously we discussed the Bermuda triangle last week that has led us down the path or across the pond, as they say, to the Dragon's Triangle, uh, a.k.a. the I Bermuda think, Triangle of the Pacific. I think the pond is referring to the Atlantic, as far as I know. Yeah, so wouldn't the Pacific be a slightly bigger pond? Mm, possibly. I never heard it referred to as that before, though. Well, you have now. Well, you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> Pacific Ocean is also the pond. Yes, Bermuda Triangle of the Pacific. And just like our last episode, this one has everything from strange disappearances and sea monsters to underwater volcanoes and alien bases. Now what about, where does the dragon come in? Well, we'll get there, so... Don't you worry about that little guy. So how about this, guys? If we take a look at a globe, all right? Teabag, you're familiar with this, right? You use this in school, I assume, still, a globe? This is a map. I'm saying if we take a look at a globe, imagine you got a globe oh, in your hands. Globe. Okay. This is for our I listeners. I got the whole world in my hands. Now in Japanese. Yeah, this is for our listeners out there. So you got a globe, and you pinpoint the Bermuda Triangle. Now you shoot an arrow dead center. It goes through that globe. On the other side, what are you going to find? The Dragon Triangle. Exactly. You are going to find... The Dragon Triangle. Uh, so we we got one in the Atlantic, of course, Bermuda. Uh, we got one in the Pacific. Got to have two mystery triangles, one in each ocean. Um, now, as we said, both triangles go hand in hand as far as casualties and mysterious disappearances. But the Dragon's Triangle, at least here in the U.S., and um, back me up on this, guys. I feel like this is not nearly as well known or popular. I mean, honestly, never heard of it until you brought it up last episode, if I'm being real here. Okay, and this and see, this is precisely why I want to do this episode, because I'm researching the Bermuda Triangle, and I'm thinking, what the hell, you know, this, this Dragon Triangle has a history just as crazy, bizarre, and long, if not longer, than its mm -hmm. Atlantic buddy over here in Bermuda. 
Um, so, you know, stay tuned, smoke them if you got them, drink them if you got them, because we are going to give you a rundown of this Pacific hot spot for high strangeness. Now, Rob, you've never heard of this one, Teabag. Have you heard of this one? Never heard of it. Okay. So, you know, that's, that's a testament to um, just what I was saying. You know, I feel like a lot of people maybe aren't familiar with this one. And, and again, I don't know if that's just because, you know, we are from america so it's obviously going to be more, the bermuda triangle is going to be more popular maybe folks over there in japan that's this is like their version of that right mm. hopefully some of our japanese listeners can chime in give us some insight yeah let us know you know that now the dragon's triangle this area has uh built an extremely infamous reputation over a span of centuries if you can believe that and the area in question has more or less built its reputation off the vanishing of ships not so much aircraft as we saw in our Bermuda episode. Uh, now, according to the legends, the waters of the Triangle are notorious for making even the strongest vessels disappear along with the crew on board. Now, the area in question. So there's, there's many locations that the Japanese call Mano-Ome. Uh, this translates as uh, evil sea, troublesome sea, or dangerous sea. Uh, now, again... Just like the Bermuda Triangle, the location of the Dragon's Triangle is not recognized on any official world map. Uh, so the size and perimeter vary from author to author, but it's most agreed upon that the Triangle extends uh, south of Tokyo between Japan and the islands of Bonin, including a major portion of the Philippine Sea. And then there are some that say it extends all the way to Ireland as well. <laughs> well, no, that would be more like all the way to Hawaii, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. To Alaska. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, some people put the point like up up uh, above Manila. Some people say it goes over to Taiwan. You know, there, there's different accounts, just like, as we said, with our Bermuda Triangle, the one guy put it all the way to Ireland. Some say it goes all the way down to New Zealand. Yeah. Who's now to say? Now, leg so some legends of the area, you know, we got a history, as we said, dating back centuries. Now, some ancient legends date as far back as 1000 BCE, telling tales of dragons that lived off the coast of Japan under the sea and attacked ships and their crews to satisfy their hunger. Like Gojira? Well, he's not a dragon. He's more of a lizard, I'd say. Mm, but so are dragons, bud. So you're saying a dragon is a lizard? Yes. Then why do we call them dragons? I don't call them dragons. I didn't write the book. What do you call them? Now, you say God, that that dragons don't exist. They're just lizards? Is this a new theory? Is that what I said? Now, you're saying you don't call them dragons. <laughs> didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, we need <laughs> to rewind the fucking tape. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> we need to rewind the tape. Yeah, please. All right, hold on a I second. I said I didn't fucking make up the name. I'm just saying you're saying they're not you related did. to a lizard at all. I don't. I think they're their own species. That's why they're called dragons. Okay. Godzilla, more of a lizard. He's got arms and stuff. Aren't dragons more like snakes? I mean, pretty sure they have arms too. Well, we should have done some research into this. <laughs> well, you can look at my fucking leg right here. They got legs. Little teeny centipede legs, right? No, that's a centipede. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so look at a picture of a dragon, dude. Jesus All right, Christ. okay, okay, okay. 
we're getting off base here. All right, we're not debating the legitimacy of dragons. I'm saying well, it that sounds like you are. <laughs> I'm saying that this. I have is, some questions about dragons. Okay, here we go. We're opening up a Two can dragons. of worms on dragons. Now, th- th- this is what you were asking earlier: how the place got its name. These legends talked about dragons in the sea. Now, what's your question on dragons? And and let me throw this out there: we're no dragon experts here. Yeah, don't go no, out of bounds on us, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like we're talking about. Lizards possibly being related to or descending from dragons. This is like what three thousand years ago. You think someone really saw a dragon, or did they just see a lizard and go like, "Oh man, wouldn't it be cool if dragons or these lizards could fly through the air and breathe fire and eat ships and stuff?" Okay, so you're thinking maybe these are just totally made up legends. Now, also, so your theory may be like dinosaurs. People say those are birds, you know. So maybe mm. something like a dragon did exist, and then you know, years and years and years, it becomes a lizard, something like that. Maybe okay, I see where you're going. I'm tracking. So maybe, but do maybe. we think? Are we thinking that dragons might have been something that existed? Is that technically a cryptid, or is that just total mythology, like uh, so, Pegasus or something? I think it's mm. mythology. I mean, would you con- you wouldn't consider Loch Ness to be a dragon, right? It's its own thing. But could it be related to dragons? Could be. No, I mean, Loch Ness is definitely its own cryptid. It's more like a, what's it called? Platypus. Darwin. Platypus? Darwin, baby. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, all these things could technically be related back to dinosaurs, though, yes? Mm, All right. Okay. Okay. Well, you heard it from the dragon expert himself. He's got the (laughs) tattoo. um, Our very own Rob. Dragon expert. Dragon expert. Unofficial dragon expert. (laughs) Now, (laughs) business cards coming soon, guys. So look out for those. All right. So, ancient legends in Japan, they tell of these dragons that live off the coast. Now, I thought they lived in castles. Now, that's more or less. (laughs) I think that was more like. Now, see, there we go. Now, dragons within like um, English or like, you know, like knights and shit, is that a totally different species of dragon? I don't think it's a different species. Well, because, all right, think about this. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is just me thinking this, and I'm just spitballing here. Okay. But I look at a dragon, I think of like dragons in Japan as being more like the dude, like, you know, they're like more like a snake, big old long body uh, mm-hmm. with like little arms, like little T Rex arms, that type of thing. And <laughs> it can fly and shit. Now, I think yeah. of dragons in like. Um, British and like what do you call it, Middle Ages type dragons? I think Medieval. of them, yeah, more like the the one from like the Hobbit movies, breathing fire. Yeah, and he's got a like, body uh, like Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, he's got a body mm. like Loch Ness and body you know, like a wonder, big old wings, and yeah, big old giraffe neck or something like that. So are those maybe two different species, races of dragons? Maybe races. Yeah, maybe yeah. Uh, two different types of dragons. You know? Okay. Well, these are a couple of kinds. And yes, and that's from the dragon expert once again. And these are (laughs) what we're talking about is specifically Japanese dragons. So these guys aren't going to be in castles. They're going to be in the waters off the coast of Japan. Specifically Japanese. What about the what about the Chinese? 
Well, yes, that's that's not what I'm saying. We're not talking about China today. All right, this is off. This is the Dragon's Triangle, dude. This is off the coast of Japan. Well, I'm just saying they're fucking pretty big creatures. You don't think they go to China too? They specifically just go to Japan. I'm not saying anything about dragons. This is not a podcast about dragons. This is about the area, and these are Japanese legends. And it's called the Dragon's Triangle. Yes, the Japanese Dragon's Triangle. Well, I don't think that's an the title <laughs> teabag help me out here we are not getting into a history of dragons we just did we just recapped it basically everything you've ever needed to know about dragons you just heard baby all right now i'm not saying we'll do it guys we'll put a pen in this we'll come back to it next episode maybe yeah maybe we'll table do it, maybe it. we'll cover dragons in the future but as far as the dragon's triangle <laughs> off the coast of japan the mysterious area the Japanese legends told of, we'll call them Japanese dragons <laughs> that are swimming around in the water, taking down ships. Hmm. Now, it is also said that the conqueror Kublai Khan, this was the grandson of Genghis Khan. No relation to Shaka Khan. Now, actually, was that not his nephew? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I don't believe it was. So Kublai Khan. Is that how you say it? Kublai Khan? Yeah, I okay. think so. So Kublai Khan. I'm no uh, Japanese history expert, obviously. He's Mongolian. Get it right. Yeah. Right. See, you're mixing up your Asian races here, dude. I'm so worried. <laughs> so I'm not. All right. So Kublai Khan. <laughs> fucking all right. dragon expert, all right? Yeah, he's a dragon <laughs> expert. He's not an Asian expert. Now, Kublai Khan. Okay, he tried to cross the sea to conquer Japan in 1274 AD and again in 1281. Tried is the keyword. Yes, it is. Both attempts were futile because of dragons. Well, that <coughs> is very specific Japanese dragons that we're discussing. Now, his sea vessels and up to 40,000 crew members aboard somehow vanished at sea in the area that would become known as the Dragon's Triangle. So what are we thinking? Dragons took these things down? Maybe he was trying to turn Japanese. (laughs) Now, see, I'm wondering, how do they know? I mean, I guess these guys never came back, but how do they know that they didn't just go to Japan and be like, yo, this place is dope? Turning Japanese every night. (laughs) Fuck it. We're never going back. (laughs) (laughs) Ever been to Mongolia? We don't want to take this place over. We just want to chill here on the beach. Hang out with some dragons. Okay, so we're thinking these guys just went a wall. Well, well, actually, okay. If we <laughs> if we want to get technical, they did find the ships like way way later oh, okay. when when they're doing okay. like Titanic type dives and shit, looking for stuff <laughs> from one thousand BCE. They found a ship. Rob, 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 are you even listening? One thousand BC is the dragon legend origins. This is twelve seventy four. Dragons are living for thousands of years. If you subscribe to the idea that these Japanese dragons (laughs) took down Kublai Khan's ship. I like Adam's theory, honestly. That they just were chilling? Okay. Dude, if I went to Tokyo, I don't think I'd come back. Maybe. You'd be turning Japanese every night. (laughs) Also, uh, we did not know that that song was strictly about masturbation. Well, we do now. (laughs) Yeah. so they found this specific ship or just a ship in that general area? Well, I didn't get too much into that, but it said they found the remnants of this ship and they believe it was like a typhoon 
But I mean, we'll get to that in like our scientific explanations of the area. But Should've you know, check the weather before they went out of our. <laughs> yeah. Now this is just well. Again, we'll get to that because there's no way they could have predicted that. But <laughs> I was joking. This is obviously like, <laughs> they didn't have the fucking weather channel <laughs> in 1274. <laughs> it was, I, dude, I assumed that like Kublai Khan was quite the fucking meteorologist. Well, obviously not if he lost four th- 40,000 crew member at sea. Okay, so well, did he also die? That could have been from dragons. No, no he, he did not die in that pit. Yeah, he's the mm, leader. He's just telling them, hey, go go attack this place for me. He's not on the vessel mm. himself. Shoot question. I mean, you seen Shoot, Game of Thrones? questions later? Yeah. Game of Thrones? Now... Back so, to the Game of Thrones. That's a different type of dragon. Yeah, so basically this is like um this these two things just kind of add to the legend. You know, just like um we saw with the Bermuda Triangle, you know, we got some early strange tales that kind of uh you know, people kind of orally tell these tales for many years when and, they're turning Japanese. Yeah. And um it kind of adds to the mystery, to the lore of the place. Now, so we fast forward quite a bit, and we've got the Osturo Boom legend. Now, this is Japanese for hollow boat, which isn't every boat hollow. <laughs> Debatable. I mean, unless we're talking like a Huck Finn raft or something. Mm. That's not going to be hollow. But anywho, this is, this, now this tale is essentially why I wanted to cover this topic because I started doing this research and I'm like, holy shit, this is right up our alley. Now, this is the famous Japanese Usturo Boon legend of 1803. Now, there's many collected stories and books written describing this incident and some ufologists claim that this is one of the first recorded close encounters in human history. Oh, wow. So the tale is as follows, okay? Tale as old as time, right? Yes, tale as old as time. Now, according to the text, and again, some accounts do vary, on February 22nd, 1803, a group of fishermen sighted a boat about 10 feet high and 17 feet wide floating near the shore. Now, in some accounts, the boat was found at sea and towed to shore. Uh, This boat was a hollow capsule in the shape of an incense burner, mostly made of wood with copper plates that protected the bottom of the ship and the top half was basically all glass windows held in place by wooden strips and fixed with resin. So these guys decide to haul this thing ashore and do some investigating. Now inside they find an unknown language written all over the walls. They find water, food, bedding, and carpet. Um, The foods they found was meat and some sort of bread. And they also find a woman. Now, she was described as a young, beautiful woman, yet strange, with red eyebrows, pale skin, and red hair, adorned with white extensions that appeared to be made of skin or finely cut fabric. She appeared to be about 18 or 20 years old and five feet tall. Sounds like Adam's dream girl. Uh, Only she's left-handed. Now, she wore long garments made of an unknown fabric, and in her hand, she held a light-colored box about 23 centimeters in length. Now, the fishermen tried to communicate with her, but the girl spoke a language that was not Japanese and unidentifiable to any of the men. Uh, She behaved in a very strange way, and she refused to let anyone touch the small box and guarded it as if it were sacred. 
So obviously these guys start spitballing. And some speculated that uh, she was the queen of a distant country accused of adultery and exiled. Uh, some claimed that the little box might contain the head of her lover. Now, that's quite the jump there. Would <laughs> <laughs> you say that, like, these are their theories? Are that she's a queen that was accused of adultery or that her lover's head is in this box? Is that not what you immediately thought of? <laughs> That's immediately what I thought of. I thought she says, these guys are, you know, just spitballing around here, you know. So. Now, is that what you guys would think? I mean, what are we thinking at this point in the tale? Maybe this is some... Uh, made up tale? Sounds like... <laughs> You're thinking completely made up? Sounds as about as real as a dragon living off the coast of Japan eating ships. A lady in a boat with a box? That's not that unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) That's not just a boat. That's a freaking boat. Shaped like an incense burner. Yeah, you know, I thought of like in... uh, Have you ever seen a fucking boat that's shaped like an incense burner? Yeah, Spy Who Loved Me. Remember Bonds banging out the chicken? Besides fucking James Bond movies. (laughs) Well, no. What about like them Red Bull ones where they drive off the edge, you know? Red Bull. Aren't those planes, though? You think that's existing in the fucking early 1800s? Dude, wasn't Da Vinci or whoever drawing up like helicopters and shit and like... Like Yeah, drawing... Okay, it took him 400 years to make it. Maybe not. Maybe not. But this is not a helicopter. No, I'm just saying, if you can think of a helicopter, you can probably think of a UFO. Or you could probably just make up some bullshit and write it down and no one's (laughs) around to uh, take a picture of it. So everyone thinks that all the ancient texts written down is real. Now, maybe this is a different type of UFO, an unidentified floating object. Oh, yep. You know what I was thinking when I was reading this, though? This lady sounds like a Scottish chick, like message in a bottle kind of thing. And what she's got in this box is like the recipe for scotch. Because isn't that like a big thing in Japan now? Whiskey or scotch or something? Whiskey. The the Japanese make a fine whiskey. Yes. That's what I understand. Yeah, yeah. thanks to her. Okay. You see? That's <laughs> okay. my theory. All right. All right. That's a very strong theory. Um, so overcome by a sense of fright, given the situation and unable to communicate with this lady, the fishermen decide to put her back in the ship and push it out to sea. <laughs> what? Well, this lady Welcome. won't let us touch her, so let's go ahead and put her back in the box. Well, now in some account, like as I said, accounts vary. Some accounts have the lady gesturing towards the sea and she just sails off on her own volition. Um, but... This Asturo Boon uh, legend has interested everyone from historians to anthropologists to, as we said, ufologists. Now, some claim that other ancient narratives could be the origin of this tale, and others believe that the legend of the young woman is one of the earliest records of contact with the extraterrestrial. Now, they compare the strange symbols found on the walls to other similar accounts in extraterrestrial encounters. You know, sometimes we see strange writing on the ships. Like it, mm-hmm. in Roswell, they found that uh, beam with the like hieroglyphs on it. Nobody can decipher it. That's like kind of what they're getting at here. And the shape of the hollow ship, as we said, flying saucer. Now... This is kind of going off your theory, T-Bag. Some historians say that uh, the strange visitor came from Russia Mm. based on her physical features. Uh, So we got a Russian redhead here. I dig it. You think it was just a UFO that got ditched out at sea? 
possibly. They were like, this fucking bitch is crazy. Just <laughs> dropped it in the sea, hoping for the best. Didn't know it was going to wash up on shore in Japan. Now, Isuru Boon, uh, as she became nicknamed, would go on to be spotted along the entire coast of Japan in the following year. So they just kept pushing her out to sea, pushing her out to sea. <laughs> like a beached whale? Yeah, but I think this was also, like, a, what I was reading was this was a period where Japan was, like, relatively cut off and isolated from the rest of the world. Like, they didn't That's want contact with... Yeah, they didn't want yeah. contact with anybody. So it makes sense that they would push her back out to sea. Uh, nobody knows who she was, where she came from, but as we said... Um, there are numerous speculations about her origins. And what do we think was inside that little box that she so jealously guarded? Probably a severed head. Well, <clears throat> if only Brad Pitt had been there to find out. <laughs> do we think it was legitimately a severed head? Is that what we're jumping to? I, I was kidding. Teabag thinks my... it's, it's, an, it's an alcohol recipe of some kind. Whether she's Russian or Scottish. All right, you're thinking recipe of some type, and you're thinking head holds up? Mm. No, I think it's like uh, an infinity stone. (laughs) 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 She doesn't want Thanos to get it, you know? Okay. Okay, so as we said, you know, there's many collected stories and books written describing this incident, and the, but the main three texts where the legend comes from are, so the oldest account comes from a book thought to have been published in 1815 called Oshukosaki. Uh, this translates to miscellaneous notes from the Nightingale Inn. Uh, it's basically a one-sheet text, an illustration that gives a short description of the event and lays out the basic facts. Now, the most famous version comes from Ton Shosetsu. I guess this is the stories of the Garden of Rabbits. Uh, and this is an 1825 manuscript, which provides an impressively detailed description of the lady's visit. Can I just say I'm loving these reads? Yeah, yeah, and and I got some background on this one, but the other two were diaries and stories of castaways written in 1835. And By Pe- Tom Hanks? <laughs> <laughs> and Peach Powder, written in 1844. That sounds like something Adam would be reading. <laughs> now... So the, the most well-known account, as we said, was that uh, garden, the rabbit garden one. Now, this was, I guess, written by this guy who was uh, a bit of an intellectual, uh, and he would kind of have... He would kind of have these like monthly gatherings with other guys that were into like stories and like a cult and like weird, like unexplainable type shit. Oh, like a bukkake. They got around and they were turning Japanese together. Is that what you're saying? I don't. Now, why do we assume that? These are intellectual men. Yeah. So are the guys at the Vatican. Allegedly. This, this has nothing to do with religion. <laughs> these, this, these guys are actually kind of like us. They like stories of high strangeness. Okay. I'm now, are we listening. in here jerking off? Sometimes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, so, yeah, so these guys would basically hang out, tell weird stories um, that they heard, and they hung out in a rabbit garden. Hence the name of the book. That's not a little mm. strange. And this guy would, he collected these tales in, in these firsthand accounts, urban legends, that type of shit, into what became known as this book. Now, this legend was known as an eyewitness account. Um, and they, they would choose the best of these stories and edit them in together what, um, what became known as the stories from the rabbit garden. 
Um, now, all three tales retell the same event and with only minimal variations in their descriptions. And, you know, 1830s, 1840s, these things are coming out. So this is long before the modern UFO era. Mm. So what do we think? I mean, you said made-up tale, completely fabricated, something along the lines of dragons. <laughs> I was just kidding. <laughs> so you're just slandering these guys. Yeah. Okay. Now, Teabag, what, what are we thinking? Come on. I'm honestly getting a little bit of a like Little Mermaid kind of vibe. This, maybe this is like the precursor. Maybe this is where Hans Christian Andersen okay. drew his inspiration. Yeah, I was actually thinking Little Mermaid immediately when I heard the tale as well, but she wasn't like a fish, and she had a boat. The mermaid would just yeah, swim she already around. made the deal with Ursula, obviously. Yeah. That's why she couldn't talk, and <laughs> she had legs. Okay, and maybe that was her tail in the box. <gasps> maybe it was Whoa. Sebastian, and she didn't want him <laughs> to get out of the box. And Sushi. <laughs> Maybe it was his his penis. <laughs> what? Why else would she guard it so sacredly? You know her little trinkets, dude? Unreal, <laughs> Unreal dude. <laughs> All right, so we're thinking... Now, do we think this is legitimate, though? Did this actually possibly happen? I mean, why would it be collected so many times? Or was this just like a tall tale, maybe? Yeah, like mm. Paul Bunyan. Yeah. That really happened. <laughs> I've been to his house. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking maybe it's a, a UFO that fucking crashed out at sea and washed up, and these guys don't know what the fuck they were talking about. Okay, so you're doing a 180 flip. You're I saying, was going to say. I said that before. you bitching about that? Bitching. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we got one for UFO. Uh, now, Teabag, what are you thinking? Uh, tall tail... No, I I think something like this really happened. I, yeah, I'm buying. Okay. He thinks she had the whiskey recipe, and that's how they got it. Okay, okay. Um, so, yeah, obviously a lot of high strangeness going on there. Now, again, this happens possibly. Were these guys high? Who knows? <laughs> we may never know. On that dragon tea? Uh, now, speaking <laughs> of dragons, so uh, fast forward, you know, quite a bit more. In 1944... A Japanese fighter pilot had a strange experience while involved in air combat against U.S. forces. Toshake Lang claims that he saw a huge sea monster as he traveled over the Devil's Sea, which is located in, inside the Dragon's Triangle, um, during this aerial battle. Now, he said this serpent-like monster swam through the water quickly as it held its head afloat, the serpent also had two huge triangular wings, which helped it to glide through the choppy seas. And he estimated that the creature was about 150 feet long. Now, this is obviously regarded as a fantastic quote unquote tale, as this was the only witness. Um, so, you know, this guy could be totally bullshit. Hey, I mean, there's only one eyewitness, right? So we're saying false. I mean, it could be real. You never know. And we he made it out alive, too. I mean, That's I feel like we don't know probably 90% of what's actually out there in the ocean. Okay, so ocean's a big place. Maybe there is some type of dragon out there. Maybe this was one of the last of the dragons around in the 40s, hip-hopping around, skipping around. A dragon's Zip's tail. Orbit. Yeah, dragon's tail. Uh, dragon's tail is old as time. So... <laughs> 
So throughout the 40s and 50s, there's a number of fishing vessels uh, and over five military vessels apparently went missing in the Triangle. Um, so the Japanese government, they're thinking, what the hell, you know, what's going on? Um, now, in 1952, they sent a research ship named Kaumaru Number no. 5 to do some investigations into reports of missing vessels coming from the Dragon's Triangle. Similar to Mambo number five. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's exactly like that. Uh, now, mu- this is much like our tale of Flight 19. Um, so this is like the Flight 19 of the Dragon's Triangle because the research vessel with 31 crew members aboard journeyed into the Devil's Sea and vanished without a trace. Mm. Now, while the shipwreck of the uh, Kaomaru number five was eventually discovered... The whereabouts of the crew members remains a mystery. Mm. Uh, Now, unlike the Bermuda Triangle, immediately after this incident, the Japanese government declared this area dangerous for marine voyaging and transporting goods. So the disappearance of this ship and the crew was basically the straw that killed the camel. You know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what? Like, like this happens, and these the Japanese government's like, hey, you know, no more lives are gonna be put at risk in order to investigate this this unexplained area. Um, they effectively end all their efforts to explore the area, and they say, hey, this place is dangerous. Travelers be warned. They put lives at risk with a triangle like this. Exactly. Now, now, what are we thinking about the area so far? You know, pretty mysterious? Are we thinking... Um, Sounds pretty fucked up. Interesting that the government doesn't want these people going to an area. Yeah, there's dragons out there, so we don't want to be well, going over there. I anything I found, like, they didn't ever say, like, don't... Like, they didn't ever set, stop anybody from going there. I think they just wanted people to be warned that it is a fucking very strange area. Like, it's not like Area 51. They're not, like, saying if, you, if you're if you caught in here, you're fu- we're fucking... Sending the dragons after you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just like, hey, guys, you know, be warned. This area has a 150-foot dragon swimming around in the fucking <laughs> typhoon. A lot of dragons around here, a lot of high strangeness, uh, some chicks in UFOs. You don't think there's some secret Japanese military base out there floating around? Floating around, yeah, floating base. It's an ocean. You're ju- you were just telling the story of a wooden and glass resin <laughs> craft floating around the water, and you don't think the Japanese got? But why would a base something? be floating? I think it would be more like. Oh, have that you ever seen James Bond? Hey, that wasn't a base. That was just his little bang ship. And I'm thinking <laughs> they would. Bang b- ship. Yeah. And I'm thinking they would build something underwater. Bang Bros, the James Bond. This would edition. be like this would be more like, you know, in the Avengers when in Civil War when he go when they lock him up in that underwater base, something like that, maybe. Mm. Okay. Now So that could be a possibility. Yeah, so th- there we go. I mean, to start off, well, we got our theory section. You know, that's some of the most interesting tales. So let's get into some theories because um, just like its counterpart in the Atlantic Ocean, there's a bunch of theories as to what's up with the Dragon's Triangle. You know, some say it's a possible gateway to another dimension, possibly a parallel universe, a dimensional portal. What are we thinking here? Could be the same thing. I mean, they line up. 
Mm-hmm. And you you were a big proponent of this on the Bermuda episode. Yeah, and if you look at that at, uh, crystal layout, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll get there. Now, no electronic <laughs> fog here. So no. yeah, you're obviously. thinking possibly more legitimate. Yeah. Okay. So possibly some type of uh, gateway, some tear in the time fabric of space. Could be. Space-time fabric, if you will. Space-time um, continuum. Mm. Yeah. All right. So how about this, gentlemen? Because last episode, we left off getting into the history of the Via Vortices. Or, or do we recall this? Mm, I do. Okay. Now, it's no secret. Um, the Dragon's Triangle is one of the 12 Vile Vortices plotted by Ivan T. Sanderson. And basically, you know... No relation he, to the Sanderson sisters yes, again. No relation or possible relation. Maybe. Yeah, who's to say? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> now, uh, basically, you know, he defines these as areas where the pull of the planet's electromagnetic, w- electromagnetic waves is stronger than anywhere else. So these areas are natural magnets for high strangeness. Now, Sanderson and several other scholars also suggest that it is hot and cold currents crossing this vile vortice that could lead to the disappearance of vessels. Uh, According to Sanderson, specifically, these currents result in electromagnetic disturbances that traps said ships passing by. Mm. Sounds like a Harry Potter movie. Yes, yes, <laughs> and we're going to get there because I thought of exactly, you know, I'm thinking this is fucking dumb, this is stupid. Uh, now, the via vortices on a planetary grid are as follows, and they are symmetrically situated around the globe, five above, five below, at equal distances from the equator, plus the two poles. Mm. So you tracking? Two poles, got it. Yeah. Now, I broke these up by tropics, and we're going to go through... We'll go through these vile vortices and we'll kind of see the high strangeness at each one. And then we're going to try to break down this this crystal bullshit. Harry Potter and the vile vortices. Take one. Now, do we need to go ahead and copyright that so J.K. Rowling can't steal our idea? So we're going to write Harry Potter and the vile vortices? (sighs) No, we're just going to copyright it and then we're going to sell her the idea. Become millionaires. Okay, so he's what? Sailing around in a boat? Yeah, and then he gets eaten by a dragon. Boom. Oh, dude, yeah. What, 12 stories? They're going to write themselves, dude. Okay. Now, maybe we ha- maybe we hash this out on our dragon episode. Yeah, we'll get um, there. <laughs> we'll get to that later in the outline. Okay, so the, the vortices um, in the Tropic of Capricorn. Are they vile? They are. And one is the South Pole. Now, peep our Antarctica episode. Lots of weird stuff going on there. Am I right? You are right. Now, number two is the Zimbabwe megaliths. Love those. Now, yeah, basically this is, I'm looking this stuff up, and this is basically some old monuments in Africa built 900 years ago, and the name Zimbabwe means stone houses. Now, these ruins are basically like a bunch of stone walls, and they're made mainly of granite, and I guess the technique they use is called dry stonewalling. And it's like they don't use mortar at all. So it's like, I guess, how the hell do these things stay up like this for so many years? Kind of like mm-hmm. the Stonehenge of Africa? Yeah, kind of. And it spans almost 1,800 acres Jesus. Uh, in the southeastern area of the country of Zimbabwe. And now, Let's go check that out. Yeah. Now, what I'm thinking is you think like, oh, these, these megaliths are named after the country. Well, other way around. 
Mm. Zimbabwe actually took its name from the Mangalas. <laughs> Plot twist. Um, and I guess one of the big questions here is like this structure was ultimately just like abandoned. And we'll see that a lot with some of these vortices because just number like Atlantis. Yeah. Now number three is the Wharton Basin. Um, this is the site of the Wallaby Fracture Zone. So this is like again another area of tectonic activity in the ocean. Uh, number four is the edge of the Hebrides Trench near the Fiji Islands. Uh, this trench is 25,000 feet deep. Uh, and number five is Easter Island, home of those crazy Easter Island guys, you know, the Moai. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <coughs> the Easter Island heads? Yeah. Now, again, I was looking up that, like, what's so mysterious about that? And I guess it's like these giant statues that we could probably do a whole episode on the Easter Island stuff, right? Those crazy Easter Island guys. <laughs> yeah, those crazy guys. Because don't they say they have bodies, too? Yeah, buried and beneath they, the ground. Yeah, and then and, and they were built to honor the ancestors. Uh, one of the biggest mysteries is like, again, it's just like all this ancient shit. Like, how do they move stones this big? Um, because like the They're average, stoners. it's That's average normal. like thirteen feet tall, fourteen tons. The heaviest is eighty six tons. Just like <sighs> the mystery of the pyramids, baby. And also, what happened to the, the people that inhabited Easter Islands? I was reading a couple articles on that. Are you guys familiar with these guys at all? Those crazy guys? I'm not. Well, the statues are crazy. I don't know if the guys that built them were. Don't they, like, go around hiding Easter eggs? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think it has any connection to the Christian holiday. <laughs> but uh, these are, like, uh, I guess they say that they, like, went to this island. Okay. So these guys go to the island. And I guess it's more of a cautionary tale about, like, um, devastating the environment. Because mm. they just, like, you know, they used up all this stuff so quickly that they eventually, like, died out. Although some theorized that it was, like, an invasive species of rodent that, like, came over on the ships with them that, like, devastated the vegetation on the island. They eventually, like, killed off the population. They didn't have anything to eat or something mm. like that. Damn. Um, but, you know, that's that's a crazy in itself. Look into that. Now, number six, we got the South Atlantic Anomaly. Now, this, I don't know if you guys are big into, like, science or anything, but around, we the, are not scientists. <laughs> <laughs> around the Earth, there's basically two radiation belts, the inner and outer Van Allen belts. I, I believe we discussed the outer Van Allen belt on our moon episode, correct? Mm-hmm. We, we mistakenly referred to it as the Van Halen radiation belt. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds um, like us. I, I'm not even wearing it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's one out there, and then there's also one coming from in the Earth, I guess. Uh, now, the South Atlantic Anomaly is a, basically a place where radiation from space is closest to Earth. And this is because the Earth isn't a perfect sphere, so it has like a slight bulge. Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like Rob. Uh <laughs> And that location is the South Atlantic Anomaly. And I guess what the concern is here is that it's like it exposes any orbiting satellites to higher levels of radiation. So, you know, another strange thing. Now, the vortices in the Tropic of Cancer are as follows. So we got number <laughs> seven, the North Pole. Now, again, now, I think this is the only one I couldn't really find anything strange about. I mean, we got Santa Claus, right? That's not oh, strange. Yeah. That's about it. I mean, maybe there's similar stuff to the South Pole, Antarctica, but I didn't, like, do any research into, like, the North Pole 
mystery. Oh, there's some weird shit that happens up there. People go disappearing all the time. Okay. Apparently, the Northern Lights. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Apparently, if you stand like right at the pole, your compass will just keep spinning 360. Well, yeah, that's I mean a no-brainer, right? Oh, okay. Now, will Watch you, like if you stand on that pole, will you spin 360? Like, <laughs> Someone's yeah, got magnets it. underneath your feet? <laughs> no, I mean, like, you're on the pole. Like, would you be able to spin? Like, would oh, you feel the spin? Or like is, a top. Yeah. You'd feel mm. like the floor was moving kind yeah. of thing? Maybe, I don't know. Okay. Probably Tricky not. Name. All right, maybe we check that out. Now, number eight now, is, is the... is there actually a pole in the North Pole? I do not believe it's like the Santa Claus where a little pole comes out and the elf <laughs> and types in a code North and you pole. go into the fucking lair. <laughs> do you know, have you been there? You don't know. Okay. Now, number eight. Now, tell me if you guys can make heads or tails of this. So, number eight is the Mohenjo Daro, maybe is how you pronounce silent. that. Okay, Mohino Daro. Uh, we don't know how to say that, but that <laughs> translates to Mound of the Dead Men. Sounds perfect. <laughs> now, this is an archaeological site in the province of Sindhi, Pakistan, uh, built around 2500 BCE. It was one of the largest settlements of the ancient Indus Valley civilization and one of the world's earliest major cities, along with the civilizations of ancient Egypt and Mesopotamia. Now, Teabag, as a history teacher, you ever teach about this stuff? Oh, yeah, Indus Valley. Now, do you know about this site? I have never heard of this site before this. It looks kind of crazy. Now, it was abandoned around 1900 BCE and um, as the Indus Valley civilization declined, and the site was not rediscovered until the 1920s. Now, on the site that I found like these points on in this list, it was claimed that this was the location of the Rama Empire, but I did a little further digging into that, and I found it to be utter bullshit (laughs) oh okay because i guess it could have been a site in the ramayana which narrates the life of rama it's like an ancient hindu text uh and i guess this was like one of the first great epics ever written and some predate this going further way further back than the epic of gilgamesh oh wow which we discussed i believe a a couple episodes ago Mm -hmm. now this one again I'm searching around trying to find stuff out about this. And I guess the Ramayana, it's like the life of Rama and Hinduism. He was the seventh avatar of the god Vishnu. But the empire he was born into, uh, he was from uh, Kosala. And this was an ancient Indian kingdom, but was pretty far away from modern day Pakistan. Like I couldn't find any connection to the Kosala empire and this um, Moheino Daro. See, I was looking a little more into this one because it, it definitely caught my attention being in the Indus Valley and everything. Like, first off, India's not that far from Pakistan. Yeah, and I assume that in those ancient times, like, the empires were pretty big. Right, right. But this one was cool, man. They're talking about, like, it was like a mound where, like, 40, 40 dead bodies were found. Yeah. And it was, like, the birthplace of Hinduism or something like that. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Now, now, I'd love to research this one more. Oh, now see, I would love to hear more about that because I really, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't know if we wanted to get too in depth on this, but I did find like there was some nuclear bomb theory rant because I guess in like a lot of those ancient Hindu texts, like wherever this place was that translates to Mound of Dead Men, 
like when it was rediscovered, they found a whole bunch of skeletons that they theorized all died at the same time. And they found yeah, this yeah. like shattered glass everywhere. And like some people have a, there's a conspiracy out there that there was a nuclear bomb, which wiped out this city like way back in ancient times. And it's written about in a lot of Hindu texts. They say like a, a bright flash of light, the heat, like they describe everything that would be, a nuclear bomb explosion. But I guess a lot of people say, you know, that's just complete horse shit. Like the bodies were found. Like it was, I forget what they say. Like maybe a plague killed the bodies. And then the glass was literally just broken, like pottery that they found. Mm. Uh, but still interesting to look into, you know? Oh yeah. Sounds interesting to me. I'd be down to uh, maybe throw it onto an episode. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we could really come up with enough for a whole episode, but Hey, mm. Might. maybe yeah i mean i anything like ancient sites and like religious texts and stuff um i'm i'm really interested in all that i'm all in for that stuff sounds like indiana jones shit to me now number yeah. nine is uh hamakulia <laughs> uh this is near hawaii and it's i guess the scene of high volcanic activity uh number 10 is the algerian megalithic ruins um, some more mysterious pyramids, uh, which is really, I guess, just a very old city. Uh, and 11, Bermuda Triangle, we discussed last episode. Number 12 being the Dragon's Triangle. Now, all of this plays into like that crystal theory we were talking about last episode. You guys remember that? Yeah, is there the giant crystal? Uh, <laughs> now, now, remember, Rob, you were saying, can we find that article? Yes. Now, I searched the interwebs. I'm searching, searching, trying to find the original article that these Russian guys wrote. Um, but this basically falls in line with all the vile vortice stuff. And I tracked down the article called A Russian Theory on Energy Grids, which is, I guess, a guy read that original article and tried to decipher it in this article. I could not find mm -hmm. I could not find the Is Earth a Giant Crystal article, but mm. I found this one. And I sent it to you guys. Yes. Now, what do we got? Like, what do you, what do you got? Could you guys make heads or tails of? It's very confusing to me. Yo, this one actually got me thinking. Like, I was in the lab on this one with okay. a pen and a pad. Well, not a pen and a, well, yeah, you know what? There was a pen and a pad. I had these. <laughs> Were you getting the a, damn label off? Dude, I had these twelve sided and twenty sided dice, right? Because isn't that what the shapes were? The I, I, whatever. I can't. Yeah, playing some Dungeons and Dragons. I say well, dude, and dodecahedron. Yeah, yeah, that's 12 and 20, right? Yes. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, you ever like spin dice? Yeah. See, look, like baby. the top, dude. See, yeah, okay. So I'm just like <laughs> spinning these dice, like watching them spin, dude. And I'm thinking, like, like is there more pre Like, all right, the earth, right? It's a sphere and it's spinning around like this dice, right? Well, not a perfect sphere. Not a perfect sphere. There's a, a little bulb. It's got a boner. <laughs> yeah, it's just excited. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm singing teabag, like, while the earth is spinning around, there's got to be, like, pressure holding it together to keep its shape, right? Correct. Apparently, I'm wrong. I was talking to some doctors and scientists about this. But this is what I was thinking. This is how my brain was working. I'm like, man, something is holding this together. And at certain points, even though it's a spherical shape, I feel like there's got to be, like, pressure points, if you will. Tracking? Okay, like, I'm tracking. You see what I'm saying? And maybe that lines up with our vile vortices, like where okay. the more pressure is, it drawing all this like negative energy to and bad things are happening. That's what I was thinking this morning. Okay. Quite bitter beans. 
96 of them. Now, what are you thinking of this, Rob? Of the crystal theory? Or I guess the article that I sent you, like, were you I mean, it was able kind to of uh, synonymous with the ley lines that we mm-hmm. discussed in a previous episode, to me, is what it made me think of. Okay. It's kind of how there are certain points on the earth where, you know, the the fields are higher energy and those all happen to be in in close proximity to those points if you look at the ley lines okay now, so now when you say sorry i was i was thinking maybe that's just their interpretation of that same type of uh situation like maybe instead of calling it ley lines they just related it to like a crystal theory uh, uh-huh. but it's like to me it kind of is the same like basis is that there are certain points on the earth lining up if you look at everything as like a flat map there's certain points and the dragon's triangle and bermuda triangle both happen to be on that map okay now what were you saying t-bag i'm just picking your brain here because i'm curious like when you say energy and i know earlier we're talking about electromagnetic energy you guys think that's like a positive energy is there negative energy is it just straight like have you ever been somewhere and you felt like, oh, this is like straight evil. Yeah. So you thinking maybe these points like are associated with like straight evil things happening? Like, I mean, I obviously think, we're talking about nuclear holocaust over in India, basically. I well, think, that's a theory. That's a theory, yeah. And <laughs> not a very strong one. I think there are points, in my opinion, and you know, I'm not a scientist here, but uh, I think there are points where a transfer of energy could happen from one dimension to another. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that energy could be positive. Sometimes it could be negative. It's just kind of depending on, you know, what's going on, how the flow of things is going, baby. Trans-dimensional energy. Crowley-esque. Okay. Yeah, now Rob has been getting into a lot of crowley Anakian type (laughs) magic. Uh, maybe we do an episode on that in the future. I'm done. Um, now, here we go. Let me try to break this down for you guys because I've been trying to wrap my head around this for days. And I think that, like, as we were saying, this is the, like the vile vortices, these Russian theories, like this stuff is actually so dumb that it actually could possibly be true. And I, and I think about this sometimes uh, with like flat earth as well. You know, like you ever go really, you ever go like really deep on something that you think it could be true? Yeah, all the time. Um, Because like, I guess in the 70s, there was this Russian article titled Earth, What Are You Anyways? Question mark. (laughs) Uh, And the story suggested that uh, our globe started out as a crystal with angular dimensions. As you said, T-Bag, with the dice dimensions. Mm Mm-hmm. And only after millennia of motion and forces did this crystal round itself into a ball. And now now these boundaries of the former crystal lie buried and preserved within the body of our planet. So this is kind of like what you were saying, right? Like it started out dice shape and then all that pressure formed it into a sphere. That's That's what you're getting at? Yeah, but I think it would be like... If you're spinning it around, like the outward pressure of it of it spinning. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. Now, now this holds a shred of truth because the idea of the Earth as a geometric shape goes back in history, um, at least to the Pythagorean school of thinking in ancient Greece, uh, because a one Plato wrote, "The Earth, viewed from above, resembles a ball sewn from twelve pieces of skin." Now, oh. how Plato knew this, I have no idea. Um. But oh, how does he, that's one of those things, man. Like, where does someone come up with that? Did he see 12 bodies sewn together and just go, Earth? I mean, maybe. I don't, I don't really know. I haven't maybe done too much. Maybe he had an uh, out, out of body experience. Probably. Ugh. Now, so, so 12 pieces of skin sewn together. But so this idea goes back pretty far. Like, Earth didn't start out as a perfect circle. Now, then comes along the Is Earth a Giant Crystal article by Russian scientist. Um, that we discussed last episode. One of these guys was a construction engineer and the other a specialist in electronics. Now they write this article and basically this is my understanding is that so you take a compound of a dodecahedron and a icosahedron, like you were saying, T-Beck, a 12-sided die and a 20-sided. Now you put those together, like you form them into the same thing and then if you were to put the earth inside of that, all of these points would line up with ancient sites and the lines would line up with faults or ridges in the earth. And also meteorological events occur at the nodes of the grid and they coincide with areas in which hurricanes originate, uh, paths of hurricanes, uh, and all of Sanderson's original vial vortices we discuss also line up perfectly with this model. So this in turn would be, I guess what they say is the Earth's energy structure or skeleton. And in turn, this energy running through the planet could possibly determine events occurring on its surface. Stick, sticking with the skin metaphor, I guess you're saying like that could be like veins right like in the sky like i was reading like they could see like ahead of time like oh this is the direction clouds are going to be going and then clouds would be going that direction they could see like black lines and something like that yeah yeah it's like the lines line up with where uh clouds go where birds migrate where faults are like shit like that and then some like the points of the pentagons within this thing are like where areas like the Bermuda Triangle or the or the Dragon's Triangle are, and it's like or like ancient sites and like megaliths. Um, so yeah, it is in turn like what you were saying. Maybe this is good energy, maybe this is bad energy, but it's just this energy running through the Earth that dictates what happens on the surface. Now this is very interesting because I'm going through this thing, and one of these points was located because they come out, they're basically expanding on the vial vortices. He's saying this is like, there's way more of these things. Like he only got 12 of them. There's, there's a ton more and there's a ton more along the lines and grids and points and, and shit like that. Triangles. Yeah. Now, one of the points that these guys plotted was located in, um, the new African Republic of Gabon. Uh, which was recently discovered to be a natural atomic reactor, which operated over 1.7 billion years ago. Mm. So I guess it's like a uranium deposit, which self-sustained a nuclear reaction. So, I mean, I thought that was pretty fucking fascinating that this shit just... That's wild, yeah. This happened like naturally in the earth 1.7 billion years ago, and it's also on one of these major points 
of these guys' energy grid. Maybe that happened in India too. Maybe now I, but maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just spitballing here because I'm thinking with all this information that we've got. Mm -hmm. So let's just say, yes, there are some places where electromagnetic waves are stronger or have more of a pull. Then wouldn't it make sense to you guys that like cultural development itself could have been drawn to these areas? Or maybe it accelerated at some areas where these energies were higher on this Possibly. grid. Like think okay. like like maybe that's why there's all these monolithic sites because people are walking like hunter and gathering tribes are walking around, they're like they're like maybe drawn to a specific area. Because I was also reading this article about like um, birds, fish, insects, mammals, they all migrate due to their sensitivity uh, to the earth's magnetic fields. Okay. So like why would humans be any different? Maybe they just don't know they're doing it, kind of thing. Yeah, it's like it, it's like ingrained in thing. us. Yeah, it's an urge to like you. We're drawn to these areas. Mm. Yeah, but did they say uh, Salem, Massachusetts is one of them? You ever I, been there? I did not read that. New England. Don't know how. I Never heard of it. No, I did not read that in any of the points that I saw. Well, it's part of the ley lines. Okay, now that's a totally different thing. It's still the energy field. But Still maybe a greater magnetic pull. Maybe the ley line people were a little off on their plotting. <laughs> and these Russian uh, it's all crystal the same, guys. Dude. It's the same fucking thing. <laughs> no, these Russian crystal guys theory is much more complex because it took me like three days to understand. Okay, well, I'm going to pull up a ley lines map <laughs> and this map, and they're pretty much identical. Okay, okay. All right. So, wh- I there's mean, what are we vari- thinking of? There's a this? slight variation, I will say. Do we think, though, that that is possible? Maybe it's just areas where um, energies on the earth are like going along the ley lines theory of that could be a possible explanation. Could be. I think this is an interesting point that you're bringing that up. Like teaching history, we always teach the kids, like, oh, the first settlements are, you know, they happen near bodies of water. You need water to survive. But now it's like, oh, maybe they need this energy. But maybe these points would naturally be like where there is water, right? Mm. Or maybe, maybe that's just a coincidence. Maybe yeah. this whole fucking theory is just so stupid <laughs> that it doesn't even, <laughs> that it, it doesn't like what I'm saying. It's so dumb that it makes a shred of sense, but in the end, it's really just stupid, right? In the end, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, now, if we go off of that, maybe this is just a bunch of bull hockey. Uh, there's more scientific explanations. Now, specifically when we talk about the Dragon's Triangle, uh, bad weather, like we talked about before. Um, now, inside the Dragon's Triangle, as we said, is an area known as the Devil's Sea. Uh, this is basically like the hurricane alley of the Pacific. It's just got constant storms, unexplained weather, uh, natural water phenomenon that can easily just pop out of nowhere. You got rogue waves, uh, maelstroms. Do you know hmm. what that is? Yeah, it's kind of like a typhoon, right? Yeah, it's I guess just like a uh, naturally occurring whirlpool. Uh, all these things are reported by sailors. Now, some theorize... They happen up near Norway a lot. Okay. The Vikings. Now, now, some theorize that these are why so many ships have set out in good weather. As we said, Kublai Khan, meteorologist, <laughs> he's saying, hey, we're attacking Japan. <laughs> and then, boom, they disappear without a trace. Just bad luck. Old uh, sailor's misfortune. Kublai mm. Khan was you on know? the way to Comic-Con. <laughs> what are we thinking there? 
the original Comic Con. <laughs> now, there's also the methane theory. This is just like the explanation we saw in the Bermuda Triangle: methane gas eruptions. They interrupt the buoyancy and sink ships. It's um, a crazy theory, though. Okay, well, now this is, I think, the, one of the strongest one is volcanoes. Because another explanation for this paranormal activity could be undersea volcanoes that populate this area. Uh, now, this is, in this hypothesis, I guess they suggest that subsea volcanoes erupt, spewing lava out above the ocean surface. Now, these eruptions are also responsible for increased seismic activity, which could disturb the water at the surface. This could potentially cause rogue waves and in turn be responsible for the accidents. Now, this combination, I'm thinking, of lava and rogue waves could also be responsible for many of the ancient legends about dragons sucking ships down to the ocean's depth. They were dragging them down? (laughs) Exactly. Right? I mean, that makes sense, right? You know, you're a Japanese fisherman, and you see a, a lava spew back in the fucking however many years ago bc and you're like what the fuck is that got to be a dragon (laughs) (laughs) maybe dragons breathing fire okay okay now we talked about the one vessel that went missing right the mambo number five yes now even back in 1952 volcanologists didn't understand how an under undersea volcano could sink a ship almost instantly Mm. um so how do i get that job don't even have to know (laughs) what you're doing apparently no you have to this was back. That was back in 1952, Robert. I think they've come away since then. You think so, Robert? <laughs> now we're slandering volcanologists. Over here. <laughs> no, I just said sounds like a cool job. How's don't that have to know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> Why don't we finish the joke? Rewind the tape. Rewind the tape. <laughs> it's a joke, not slander. So maybe they didn't know back then. Hey. Now, due to, so I guess like due to undersea, like they've studied these things for years and years and years. Now, as we said, volcano science has come, no, volcano science has come a long way. And I guess due, no, uh, it's no longer dragons. And I guess uh, due to undersea volcanoes and seismic activity, according to marine scholars, the islands in the area often disappear suddenly and new ones appear overnight. Huh. So, you know, if you're navigating the seas, like one island disappears, something else just pops up in your way, crash into that. must be a dragon. And you could be lost. (laughs) (laughs) Not only is that that could possibly be a dragon, but you're going to be lost in the sauce. (laughs) Because you're thinking, I thought this island was on my right. It's coming up on my left. You know, I got Harry Potter out here playing tricks on me. (laughs) And that's, as they say, the old sailor's misfortune. Yes. Uh, dragons at night, sailors delight. <laughs> I don't, don't think that's how that one goes. Dragons in the morn, sailors be warned. What about two dragons? Two dragons? At the same time. Turning Japanese. <laughs> so, so, you know, those are some scientific uh, explanations. Now, Rob, I already assume he's taking a jab at the volcanologists. <laughs> Oh, uh, my God. Shots fired. Yeah, he's saying these are real dragons, yes? They could be. Okay, now. But, but, you know, those guys are sitting there listening and going, that dragon science is bullshit, Rob. <laughs> Probably so. So let's get in. Uh, now, this is, again, one of Rob's uh, favorites, the Skeptics Corner. 
Um, now, skeptics corner. Yeah, this is skeptics corner. So this is people that again, like just with Bermuda Triangle, they think this whole thing is just a bunch of bull hockey baloney. Um, dragons. Yeah, dragon malarkey. They call it. <laughs> Now, in Daniel Cohen's 1974 book, Curses, Hexes, and Spells, it is reported that legends of the danger of the Dragon's Triangle go back for centuries in Japan. So if you take the tales of dragons, the mysteries of Kublai Khan, and, I mean, hell, even the Usturo-Boon legend as uh, somehow related, then yes, the tales of the Dragon's Triangle go back some, some time. You know, they go back pretty far. Now, basically, the most famous casualty was the uh, Kayumaru Number no. 5, as we discussed. Now, this disappeared on the 24th of September, 1952. This was like the Flight 19 of the Dragon's Triangle. Mm, R.I.P. So, with such a dramatic history, you know, you would think uh, there's going to be all sorts of information on the subject of the Triangle. Well, apparently, skeptoid author Brian Dunning... He came up completely empty when he was searching around for this stuff, and uh, he said there's not too many tales of the specific triangle until a full 20 years later after the loss of that uh, fishing vessel or that scientific vessel. Uh, now, maybe I'm thinking, so maybe they don't mention the Dragon's Triangle by name. Maybe it just took some time for someone to connect the dots, you know? I'm thinking the government didn't want people to know about this place. Okay, now according to this skeptic, uh, he says the story of the Dragon's Triangle and tales of mystery within it was not invented until fairly recently. Mm. Um, but again, you know, this could be just like Bermuda Triangle. Maybe nobody just gave it an official name until recently. Mm. Now, in 1975, American author and our favorite debunker, Larry Koosh, published The Bermuda Triangle Mystery Solved. Now, in this book, he, he also does a two-for-one special. So he debunks The Bermuda Triangle, and he's also debunking the Devil Sea legend. Now, apparently, Kush sent letters to the government offices in Japan, but nobody knew about the Devil Sea or such a danger area. Allegedly. Um, yeah. Now, again, this isn't necessarily debunking it. Like, if the government declared this place dangerous in 1952 and he's sending them letters in 75, maybe just all those people that thought the area was dangerous aren't working at the government anymore. <laughs> you know? Because they died exploring it. Yeah, but... uh what he did find was that the actual danger zone where the Maritime Safety Agency of Japan warned not to approach was only 10 miles to Moijin Shoal. Did he take a highway to get there to the danger zone? Oh, I do not think so. <laughs> <laughs> now, now Moijin Shoal, this is basically a submarine volcano located about 450 kilometers south of Tokyo. And I guess the uh, fishing vessel or the scientific vessel, the the Kayao Moro number five, was sent. Now, could it not be a scientific fishing vessel? It could be, but it was sent uh, to this area for investigating activity of undersea volcanoes. So, as we said, these guys were olden day volcanologists, maybe not that wise to how a volcano could sink a ship, and this led to the loss of the vessel in 1952. Mm. Um, so it's like we said earlier, maybe volcano science just wasn't up to speed back in the day, becomes lumped into the mystery. And I'm knocking volcanologists. 
hey, I'm not saying these guys did anything wrong. They lost their lives dedicating it to science. And these, these men need to be praised for that. Mm. Okay. Let's get serious here. <laughs> and I'm not pour even... one out for those nah, guys. We need to pour one out for these guys. Uh, now, so what are, we, what are we thinking in all this? Um, so location, location, location. So let's take a look at some of these facts. The Dragon's Triangle and the Bermuda Triangle align point to point through the center of the Earth. Same latitude, same longitude. Right through the bulge? Right through the... Well, they're pretty far away from the bulge. <laughs> uh, now... <laughs> Where's the bulge? What, what did we say, dude? Have you been listening this entire episode? What's going on, Rob? South Atlantic? Get your head out of the volcanoes, buddy. Is... Is the fucking Bermuda Triangle, where is that located? Mid-Atlantic? That's in the Northern Hemisphere. Southern Hemisphere. That's a whole nother half of the Earth. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm not claiming to be a scientist. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Well, you got a long ways to go if you want to become a volcanologist. No, there's no volcanoes down there in the Southern Hemisphere. You do not know that, and you need to get your hemisphere straight. Um, so, Dragon's Triangle, Bermuda Triangle, they align. Both are located at the eastern end of large continental masses, where the seas and currents are colliding with warm and cold water over volcanic areas. Mm. Now, deep trenches are another commonality with the Triangle in the Pacific, featuring the Mariana Trench, deepest known point in all the seas, 36,000 feet, or yeah, 36,000 feet deep. And the Puerto Rico Trench is in the Atlantic, near the southeast tip of the Bermuda Triangle, at about 27,480 feet deep. So basically where the tip opens up, there's a triangle. Uh, Essentially, yes. Now, the Dragon's Triangle in particular reports an ever-changing seascape with the professionally charted land masses and islands literally forming and disappearing overnight. As we said, lots of volcanic activity here. Mm. So maybe these triangles are just in very similar spots on the earth, you know, and maybe yet again, these strange mysteries of the sea are simply mere tall tales from people who did not have rational explanations for what they saw. No, we got Larry Coos Jr. over here. Now, what are we thinking there? Are we thinking, so out of everything we've heard, I want you guys to take on this uh, dragon's triangle mystery. Are we thinking, what are we thinking? You know, let's wrap up our triangle series with some thoughts. What do we got? I'm thinking until I see a dragon skeleton, not buying into it. But I do think there are some places on this earth whether they lay on geometric lines or ley lines or whatnot, I do not know. But I do think there are some places on this earth where genuinely evil things happen. And this is one of them. So you think this area is, in fact, high strangeness? Oh, yeah. I'll buy. And this area as well as Bermuda? Oh, yeah. Okay. And Bahama? Come on, pretty mama. All right. What are we, what are we thinking, Mr. Uh, Dragon Expert over here? <laughs> I also... Don't think the dragon theory really holds up to the disappearance of the ships. I think it's more of definitely uh, 
you know, it's basically the same theory as Bermuda Triangle. It just uh, happens to be a spot where there's uh, some very strange type of energy field, you know. Perhaps there is a tear in the uh, space-time mm. right there. And, uh, you know, that would at least equate to the disappearance of the ships, the planes possibly. Not too many plane stories here, though. Huh? Yeah, not a lot of plane stories except the guy that saw the dragon. Maybe you're right on the uh, wanting to be on the plane. Electronic fog time portal. Mm -hmm. Now, some people also say that like Atlantis could possibly be laying in the Pacific. Please. Same thing, you know, just like the methane thing. We're just Why would gonna... it be called Atlantis if it's in the Pacific? Exactly. Stupid. It's about as, stupid, about as stupid as a volcano being a dragon. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm under the the um, theory that uh, the dragon stuff, obviously tall tales, mythology type stuff, um, the mysterious hmm. disappearances, I'm honestly going with the volcano stuff here. No, I'm not okay. saying that dragons aren't real per se. I'm just saying... <laughs> okay, in Japanese I dragons see specifically? One. <laughs> when we talk... <laughs> When we talk about the triangles, I think they're more energy related than. Okay, so you are a subscriber to this uh, maybe crystal theory. Mm, I, or not I like the ley lines better. Okay, so not necessarily that the Earth was a crystal, but just that energy affects uh, energy running through the Earth affects uh, what happens on the surface. Yeah. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, obviously, that's the case. Volcanoes, earthquakes. Maybe you're familiar. <laughs> Typhoons. Okay. Lagoons. Okay. Easter Island. Cancun. Those crazy Easter guys. Cancun. Slurricanes. Never heard of it. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it. Um, the mystery seems like it's not too big of a mystery. History's greatest mystery. Yep. And dragons. We knew it was a mystery. Dragons. Are they real? I think yes. Possibly. Now are, now, are we thinking, so you think possibly these Japanese dragons could be have existed back in time? I mean, I don't think they're specific to Japan. No, but, but I'm saying... I think dragons existed, or maybe they still do. Okay, so you are... You better person. hope so, or you're out of a job. <laughs> whoa, whoa, I'm not talking about volcanoes here. <laughs> All right, so there you have it. Dragons are real, but they're not at fault. We're not blaming dragons. Yeah. For the activity they in the can't triangles. can't be the scapegoat. Okay. Dragons are not your scapegoat. So there you have it, guys. Uh, Dragon's Triangle. Hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, I want to cite paranormalencyclopedia.com, Dragon's Triangle, allthatisinteresting.com, Dragon's Triangle, Devil's Sea, alienstar.net, Dragon's Triangle and the Devil's Sea is an underwater alien base, and Asturu Boon, The Legend of an Extraterrestrial Arrival by Sea by Faina Alif on Faina.com. If you want more information on any of this stuff we discussed, check out those websites. And um, I think that'll about do it. You know, stay safe out there, guys. Yes, stay safe, and uh, thanks for tuning in. As always, you know, feel free to check out the website, podcastfromouterspace.com. Uh, you can slide into those DMs, podcastfromouterspace on Instagram. And, you know, if you feel like shooting us an email, podcastfromouterspace at gmail.com. Um, as always, you know, feel free to subscribe and give us a five-star review. And thanks once again, guys. 
Yeah, keep them coming, guys. We've seen some great reviews from you guys, and that really helps to grow the show, so we cannot stress that enough. And stay tuned for our next episode drop. We got a pretty big series coming up that uh, should be pretty interesting, right up our alley, so uh, stay tuned for that. And on that... Shout out Homer Simpson on this one. He's the man who made the dragon cry. And on that note, thanks for all the fish. Tsunami out on the sea. I saw Bullerang in the sky. 97 thought we learned to fly.